uh, I, in my, I talked last week about how I was going to preach through Psalm 23 today, and a friend of mine sent me a paraphrase of the 23rd Psalm that she and her classmates wrote here at GFCC in youth group back in 1970. Okay, so back in 1970, the senior high youth group paraphrased the 23rd Psalm, and she sent this to me this week, and so I wanted to share it with you. The Lord is my friend whom I don't deserve. He provides me a comfortable home. He gives me inner peace. He makes me feel great. He points me in the right direction. Wherever I am, I am not afraid. The Holy Spirit and his word comfort me. He prepares me for troubled times ahead. He blesses me and gives me more than I need. I know he will be with me in life and forever. Isn't that neat? When they sent it to me and said that it, it had been written in 1970, I'd expected to hear the word groovy a few more times in there. <laughs> Wasn't to be, I guess. Now, of course, if they were writing it today, it'd be like, like the Lord is like my shepherd and like he is like my God and he's like my friend. You know what I'm talking about, right? I had teenagers at home. <laughs> the word like is like used like all the time, like every other word, like they're constantly doing that. Like, wow. Um, but anyway... The, the 23rd Psalm is a, a favorite psalm for many. Many people uh, find a lot of comfort in the 23rd Psalm. It's probably the best known of all the psalms. It's probably the most well-known psalm. Uh, you probably memorized it when you were a kid, maybe in Sunday school or at church camp. You might have memorized the 23rd Psalm, probably in the King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me and guideth me and provideth for me and, and giveth me all the things that I needeth. Um, but it's a psalm of comfort, and it's a psalm of peace. Uh, it reminds us that we are helpless. It reminds us that we, of our helplessness, that we really are helpless, and that God is our provider, He is our protector, that God is our shepherd. And so we're going to talk today about what it means uh, that God is our shepherd and how He provides for us. And it kind of gives us a clue into David's relationship with God, what this relationship was like. Um, and it also kind of shows us how we can have a relationship with God and what our relationship with God is like. And I believe with all my heart that God's greatest desire is to have a relationship with his creation. That God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with me. And not one of fear, not one of uh, abject terror, uh, not one of an overlord over a, uh, um, a plebeian, um, uh, it, it's, it's not that, that God has got me under his thumb uh, and that he's looking to hold me down. Uh, but I believe that the relationship that God desires with his people is a relationship based on love. That God wants to have a loving relationship with you. And he wants to have a loving relationship with me. A relationship based on love. Now this may be something, this may be something new to you. That you've never heard this before. It may be something you say, wait a minute, God wants to have a relationship with me? Yeah. God wants to communicate with you. He wants you to communicate with him. He wants you to tell him uh, your needs. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And just as you have a relationship with another human being, God wants to have a similar relationship with you based on his love and grace. That The cool thing about having a relationship with God is that God reached out to us to have this relationship. It wasn't a matter of that God sat in heaven on his throne going, I wonder when they're going to call. I wonder when I'm going to hear from my creation. No, God reached out to us. He sent his son, Jesus, to initiate the process of having a relationship with him. Now, when you think about your relationships, 
for just a moment. Think about your relationships for a moment. And you're uh, angry with somebody. Somebody has done something to you. They have uh, angered you in some way. Or they have hurt you in some way. How many times out of 10, let's just say how many times out of 10, uh, if, if this has happened to you 10 times in your life, uh, but how many times out of 10 are you going to go to that person and say, I, I, we need to fix this? Probably not too many. Usually it's a matter of I sit back and I wait for them to come to me, apologize, and then we fix it. That's not what God did. You see, we broke the relationship. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God in the Garden of Eden, and it was a great relationship communication, walking, talking. Uh, They had a wonderful, perfect, unblemished relationship with God. And then they sinned against God, and they broke this relationship. But God, being the one who was offended, sent his son Jesus to repair the relationship, to reconcile us to himself. God is the one who's offended, yet he is the one who reached out to us to fix this relationship. That's different. And that's awesome because on our own, we are incapable of fixing this relationship. It is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ that this relationship can be fixed. And he reached out to us to fix the relationship first. The offended reached out to the offendee, to the offenders. And he fixed the relationship by sending his son, Jesus. So God wants to have this relationship with us. And we read a little bit about this relationship and what it's like in the 23rd Psalm. And we've been talking about psalms all summer long. We started way back after Memorial Day. And uh, today we're going to bring this sermon series to a close. Uh, and uh, we've covered the gamut of, of psalms. Uh, from human emotion, uh, fear, anxiety, worry, joy, happiness, uh, depression. We talked about Psalm 40 last week. And, and we talked about depression in our lives. And um, it, we've covered it all. Uh, we've talked about psalms that praise the Lord and and are full of joy and exuberance. And we've talked about psalms that when we feel like we're at the the pits in the deepest pits of life. So we've talked about a lot of different psalms this summer. uh, And today we're bringing it to a close by talking about the 23rd Psalm. I thought this would be a great way to uh, end this sermon series to talk about perhaps the most well-known famous psalm. Psalm 23 describes six blessings. Six blessings from the Lord. Uh, that we can experience in our lives because of this relationship that we can have with God. So there are six blessings we're going to talk about today in this relationship that we have with God. Um, The way David describes this relationship is kind of interesting because he talks about this relationship as a shepherd to sheep. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. We'll get into that in just a minute. Now, David had been a shepherd. Before he killed Goliath, he was out in the fields keeping sheep. So David was a shepherd, and he knew a lot about sheep. He lived with sheep a lot of the time. He knew what they ate. He knew when they were hungry. He knew when they were scared. He defended them. He protected them. He smelled like them. David probably smelled a lot like sheep. If you've ever been to a petting zoo, you know that's not the most uh, pleasant of odors. Um, So David spent a lot of time with sheep, uh, and he knew sheep well. Um, And so when he says the Lord is my shepherd, he really knows what he's talking about because David had been a shepherd over sheep. And in the same way, he says that God is his shepherd. God is our shepherd and we are his sheep. In fact, in Psalm 100, verse three, uh, it says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We are God's sheep. 
And so today we're going to talk about how we are God's sheep. That's probably more of a goat. There you go. Uh, So grab your Bible, turn to Psalm 23, and grab your bulletin and turn to page 3 to the handy-dandy outline. And we're going to fill in some blanks in just a moment. So grab your Bible, Psalm 23, and grab your bulletin, page 3. And the first blank on your outline is, the shepherd provides. The shepherd provides. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. David says that he wants for nothing. He wants for nothing. That God provides everything that David needs. God is the provider. He is the one who gives David everything he needs. Now, sheep have a lot of needs. They are not the brightest animals in the world. Okay? And there's a reason why God calls us sheep. They're not the brightest animals in the world. Okay? There's a reason why we are considered sheep. Actually, one of the problems with sheep is that the wool tends, you've heard of the phrase, pull the wool over your eyes? The wool on a sheep's head will grow over its eyes and it has no idea where it's going. And so sheep need a shepherd. They are in desperate need of a shepherd, someone to lead them, someone to guide them, someone, someone to show them where the food is, someone to show them where the water is. And that's what, they, that's what God does. That's what David says that God does, is God leads him to pastures. What do, uh, what do sheep do in a pasture? They don't poop. No, that's not what we're thinking of. They graze, right? They eat in a pasture. They eat in a pasture, and they also rest in a pasture. It is a, a, a calm place where they can go and they can rest. And then the Lord leads, the Lord leads David to quiet waters. And what, does, what do sheep do in water? They drink, right? And so the Lord provides for the needs of David. And we're not just talking physical needs. Although when we trust God, when we put our faith and trust in him, he does provide for our physical needs. He provides food and clothing and shelter and all that we need. When we put our trust in Jesus, when we put our trust in God, he will provide for our needs. Um, But like I said, just like sheep need a a shepherd, so do we. And God provides for all of our needs. Now, why does a shepherd provide for the needs of his sheep? Two reasons. One, uh, shepherds in those days were financially liable for their sheep. They were held accountable for their sheep. If they lost a single one, they had to pay for it out of their own pocket. And I don't know about you, but being a shepherd isn't the most lucrative of field, uh, lucrative of uh, career opportunities. And so to have to reimburse the uh, sheep's owner for a uh, sheep, a lost sheep, uh, would have been a a serious hit to the checkbook. Um, So uh, they were financially liable for them. Even if they lost one, they had to pay for it. And also they cared for their sheep. That's the second reason why. Uh, that they would do these things for the sheep is because they cared about them. They spent all their time with sheep. In fact, they would name them. They would name every sheep. So there's, there's Bob, Bob the sheep, or Bob the sheep. Sorry. There's Larry the sheep. There's Sally the sheep. I don't know how you tell them apart, but apparently if you spend weeks and weeks and weeks on, on end with them, you get to know them very well. And you spend a lot of time with the sheep, you name them, you know them, they know your voice, uh, they know all about you. And so uh, he, the shepherd wants to provide for their needs, he wants to provide for the food that they need and the water they need because they care 
about their sheep. And just as the shepherd provides for the physical needs of his sheep, God provides for our needs as well. He provides for our spiritual needs and he cares for us. He feeds us by his word, the Bible, that we have the word of God uh, in our homes. You have it in your hands right now. And God is able to feed us by his word. He also gives rest to us, to our weary souls um, by his Holy Spirit. Jesus died to bring us forgiveness. And when we put our faith and trust in him, our sins are forgiven and he forgets our sins as far as the east is from the west. Um, and uh, he removes our sins from us and he forgets all about them. Uh, and he provides everything that we need to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And he fills us with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comforts us and gives us peace and, it, and it helps us to rest comfortably and rest peacefully in the Lord. So we have everything we need that God has provided to have a relationship with him. There's nothing that we have to do. There's nothing that we can do to instigate and to initiate this relationship. God has already done it. And I've heard it said that the difference between Christianity and religion is two letters. See, religion is spelled D-O. It's about what you have to do. You've got to earn your way to heaven. You've got to be good enough to go to heaven. Uh, you've got to say this prayer this, this many times each day. Uh, you've got to follow this path, and you've got to do these things in order to get to heaven. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. See, the difference is two letters, N-E. It's about what Christ has already done, that Jesus, when he died on the cross, his death was sufficient for our salvation. And we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we we repent from our sins, we confess our faith, we get baptized, God washes us clean in the blood of the Lamb. And He washes away all of our sins. And we are free, and we are forgiven, and we have the promise of eternity. That is the hope that we have, and it comes through this relationship with Jesus. The second blank on your outline is the shepherd restores. The shepherd restores. Look at the first half, the first little part of verse 3. And David simply says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Now, this word restore can also mean refresh. It can also mean refresh. And David says that the Lord leads him to quiet waters. He leads him to still waters. And think about a hot summer day. I'm thinking a day where it's just miserably hot. Uh, it, it's humid. Uh, and the heat index is like 95 to 107. A day like tomorrow. Because that's what they're saying. Tomorrow, the heat index is supposed to be between 95 and 107. Now, if you like heat, if you have a pool or if you have a sprinkler, tomorrow is your kind of day. It is not my kind of day. I want it 70, 75 at the most. Year round, I know, move to San Diego and everything will be fine. Right. Until you fall in the ocean. They had an earthquake this morning in San Francisco. That's enough. Um, but this word... You know, this word to refresh, the word to restore, it's kind of like a, an ice-cold glass of water on a hot, hot day. It's just refreshing. And that's what God does for our soul, that he refreshes and restores our souls, that he feeds us uh, at, in those lush pastures. He gives us something to drink at those quiet, still waters. He restores our souls. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3, this is what God said. I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. 
that God promised to send his Holy Spirit to refresh his people. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God fills us with his Holy Spirit and we can be restored and we can be refreshed. We can have spiritual refreshment when we are hungry and we are thirsty. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That God will fill us and restore us and refresh us. That's what he does. When we are hungry and we are thirsty, God satisfies that hunger and that thirst. The third blessing that comes uh, from having this relationship with God, the third blessing we read about is the shepherd leads. The shepherd leads. In the second half of verse 3, it says, He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is so important, okay? This is probably the most important thing I'm going to say today, is the shepherd leads us. And it's important to know because God knows the way. He knows the way. He knows the way home. He knows where we want to be. And he knows how to get there. God knows the way. After a day of grazing in the pastures and resting in the pastures, uh, the shepherd knew how to get the sheep home. The shepherd knew the path to take to get home. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the shepherd knows how to get home. Jesus knows how to get us home. He knows how to get us to heaven because Jesus is the way home. If you want to go to heaven, okay, and I believe everybody wants to go to heaven, but if you want to go to heaven, you have to go through Jesus Christ to get to heaven. He knows the way to, the he to our heavenly home because he is the way to our heavenly home. And there is no other way that we can be saved. There is no other name given to men by which we can be saved. There's no other name that can save us other than the name of Jesus Christ. And it is only by God's grace, it is a gift of his grace uh, through expressed in, by, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ that we can be saved. Now, why does our shepherd leave us home? Why does he lead us home? And it says, you, you guide me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. It's for, for God's name and for his reputation that he leads us home. What kind of a God would leave his people to fend for themselves? What kind of a shepherd would lead, leave his sheep to fend for themselves? That's not what he does. Rather, he leads the sheep home to where they belong. And God wants to lead us home through his son Jesus to our heavenly home where we will dwell and live forever and ever and ever. It is a promise that he has made and it is a promise that he will keep. And he wants to lead us home. The fourth blessing that comes, the fourth blessing that comes is the shepherd protects. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd, excuse me, protects his sheep. Now David had enemies. <clears throat> As the king of Israel, he had enemies who wanted to take his life. He felt like he was walking in the, even in the very shadow of death. And the idea here is an idea of deep darkness. How many of you are scared of the dark? Oh, uh, well, wait, wait, wait. How many of you were scared of the dark as a kid? Okay. How many of you are still scared of the dark? 
I don't like to drive at night. In the wintertime, when there's like ice on the roads, and it's 4.30 and the sun's going down, I don't like to go outside. I don't like to drive in it. I can't stand driving. Even in the summertime, I don't like driving after dark. I don't know why. Uh, I, I was never scared of the dark as a kid, but now I'm a little bit older and I'm scared of the dark. I'm not ashamed to admit it. My name is Sean C. I'm 40 years old and I'm scared of the dark, at least driving in it. But David, when he talks about walking in the valley of the shadow of death, he is talking about a deep darkness. Not, the dark is scary. The dark is full of the unknown. And, and bad people creep around in the dark. And people who wanted to kill David were creeping around in the dark. He felt like death was right around the corner from him. And he was scared that people were going to try and take his life. He felt like he was walking in the shadow of death. But you know what? He wasn't afraid. I, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil, he says. Why? For you are with me, he says. David would not fear because God was with him. And God is still with us. I don't have to be scared of the dark. Because God is with me. The name, one of the names given to Jesus in the book of Matthew is the name Emmanuel. And it literally means God with us. God is with us. Not God was with us. Or not God will be with us, but God is with us now. Here and now, God is with us. We have nothing to fear, for God is with us. Will bad things happen? Sure. But God is with us. He will get us through them. And he will lead us home, like I just talked about. God will get us home to where we want to be. God is with us. He will never leave us. He will never abandon us. When you belong to Jesus, you are his and he will never leave you you belong to him david took comfort he says in the staff and in the rod of the lord these are the weapons of a shepherd these are the weapons that they would use to protect the sheep from wild animals there were bears and lions and tigers i got it out of order i apologize there were lions and tigers and bears and david would protect his sheep with his shepherd's staff and his shepherd's rod. He would protect his sheep with those. And he is saying that God does the same thing for us. He protects us by his rod and his staff. And David took great comfort in these weapons because he was protected. And not only are they good for, but not only are they good for uh, protection, they're also good for correction. See, when a sheep gets out of line, starts straying down the wrong path, pull out the staff, right there on the head. Get back in line, sheep. Sometimes God has to do that to us. We start going down the wrong path. We start going down the wrong way. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, 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 hey. Okay, get back in line. All right. And there's a great comfort that comes from that. Then always God protecting me, but he's watching over me. And he's keeping me where I need to be. And he keeps me on the path to where I need to go. There's a lot of comfort in that. The fifth blessing is the shepherd welcomes. The shepherd welcomes. goes from a shepherd metaphor to the to that of a gracious host 
and he talks about a, a kind of a banquet, uh, and he gives us the idea of a banquet that, to which David had been invited. And God had prepared the finest foods for him, and David was invited by God, and David could have full fellowship with God, and he could eat until he was filled at this banquet that God had prepared. He says, I can even dine in the presence of my enemies. You feed me in the presence of my enemies. And I love the second part of this verse. Okay, I love the second. This is my favorite thing in all of Psalm 23, where he says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. In those days, if you went to a banquet, they would anoint or they would pour oil over the, he over the heads of honored guests, the VIPs, if you will. So they would take oil and they would pour it over the heads. It was very calming and very soothing, very dry, hot climate. It was very soothing when they would pour oil over your head. And they only did that for the honored guests. They only did that for the most important people, for the VIPs. And David is saying that in God's presence, he considers me an honored guest. He considers me a VIP. And maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe you've never thought about that before, but it's true. That God does not look at you. He does not look at me as though we're worthless. He does not look at us as though we are outsiders. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And he does not treat us like we are foreigners or strangers or uh, outcasts. That's not how God treats us. David says, you anoint my head with oil. I'm a VIP in God's presence. How amazing is that thought? That God does not treat you like you're an outsider. He does not treat you like an outcast. But rather, he welcomes you into his presence. He says, I want you to spend time with me. I want to fellowship with you. I want to spend time with you. And he says that to every single one of us. You are important to God. You are one of his VIPs. And he wants to welcome you to his banquet. The book of Revelation talks about a great banquet that is being prepared for us. Jesus is the guest of honor, but we are welcome guests in his presence. And you are invited to the banquet. Will you accept the invitation? That's the question. Will you accept this invitation? We'll talk about that in just a second. The final blessing that comes that we read about in this psalm uh, is the shepherd loves. The shepherd loves. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God loves us. Is there any more wonderful, amazing, awesome thought in all the world that God loves us? Is there anything more wonderful than knowing that God loves you? The God of the universe, the God who created everything, looks down and he sees you right where you are this morning. He's looking at you right now. And he is saying the same thing to every single one of us. I love you. God is loving you right where you are right at this moment. And again, this may be something that's brand new to you. You may be saying, I, I, I don't know that God loves me. I, I, can't, I can hardly believe that God loves me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the things I've said. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the thoughts that I think. You don't know the sins that I commit. How could God possibly love me? You want to know how I know that God loves you? 
Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And it's true. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The cross is the proof of God's love. The cross is the evidence of God's love. That Jesus went to the cross, not because the Romans took him there, not because the Jews sent him there. He went to the cross willingly of his own desire because of his great love for us. The shepherd loves you. And the shepherd loves me. What an amazing thought. What an awesome thought. And the thing is, he cares for you, he loves you, and he will never stop loving you. He will always love you, and he will be good to you, and he will love you all the days of your life. It is something that you never have to doubt. It is a promise of God. And it is a, it is a love with no ifs and no buts. No ifs, no buts. Because sometimes we'll say that to somebody. If you do this for me, then I will love you. We actually don't say that. That would be really, really weird. You know, if you do this for me, then I'll love you. We don't say that. But we imply it by the way that we treat people, that when they do something nice for us, then we're nicer to them, and, and we'll love them if, they're, if they do things for us. And, and, and that's not how God is. God doesn't say, well, if you go to church 52 Sundays a year, then I will love you. He doesn't say, if you put $10,000 in the offering plate, then I will love you. You can try. You can try, but but that's not what he says. If you read your Bible every day for an hour every day, if you read your Bible every day for an hour, then I will love you. That's not what God says. God simply says, I love you. The other way that we'll say is, is I, I say that there's no, it's, a, it's a no if kind of love. It's also a no but kind of love. Because what we do, we'll tell people, I love you, but I don't like it when you do this. I love you, but if you don't stop chewing with your start stop chewing with your mouth open, I'm going to stop loving you. Seriously. One of my pet peeves. Sorry, pulled the curtain back a little too far there. Um, God doesn't say He doesn't put a but on His love. He doesn't say I love you, but uh, I love you, but I love you, but you got to stop doing this. I love you, but I'm not going to love you anymore if you keep doing this. There's no ifs. There's no buts. It's an unconditional love that God has for every single one of us. It is an unconditional. You can't do anything to make him love you more. If, if you were to get up here and preach an amazing sermon and think, well, if I did that, then God would love me more. Nope. If I, if I went to uh, Africa and I worked with Ebola patients in Jesus' name, then God would have to love me more, right? Nope. Because God can't possibly love you more than he loves you right now. And God won't love you any less than he loves you right now. Well, what if, I, what if I did this, or what if I did that, or what if I don't stop doing this, or what if I don't stop doing that? Is God going to love me any less? Nope. Because he, he promises that he won't. So, so what do we do in response to this love? You see, that's why we live faithful lives to Jesus. That's why we do what we do. That's why I, I don't go to church for a paycheck. Okay, it might be easy to think that, well, Sean has to be here. You know, he gets paid to be here. That's not why I come to church. That's not why I get up and preach. That's not why I sing songs. That's not why I raise my hands. That's not why I clap my hands. 
It's not why I read my Bible. It's not why I study my Bible. It's not why I do the things that I do. I do the things that I do because God loves me. I, I don't put money in the offering plate. I don't put money in the offering plate. I give online. That's a totally different thing. But I don't, I don't give an offering so that God will love me more. I don't give an offering uh, be, so that uh, people will be impressed with what I give. I give an offering because God's been so good to me because God loves me. That's why we do what we do. That's why we live lives of faithfulness and righteousness and holiness. That's why we live lives that try to please God because he loves us. And when somebody loves you with an unconditional kind of love, don't you want to please that person? I mean, don't you want to, you don't want to take advantage of that. You don't want to take it for granted. Oh, it's okay. God will love me no matter what. I'm just going to do whatever I want. No, God loves you. So, so live a life that pleases him. Live a life that, as my friend Mike Ryan used to say, puts a smile on his face. I mean, when somebody loves you, that's what you want to do. You want to make them happy, right? Okay, good, good. We're not all sociopaths. That's good. God loves us. And if you accept him, you will dwell in his house forever. But if you reject him, he's still going to love you. But the promise of dwelling in his house forever is not yours. So you have a decision to make. What will you do with this incredible love that God has for you? Now, you may be wondering, what does Jesus have to do with Psalm 23? Well, let me tell you. The prophet Isaiah foretold of a time when God would send a shepherd. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says, He will flee, feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. That God is our shepherd, and he promised that he would send a shepherd to Israel. And then in John chapter 10, verse 11, we read the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And what he means by that, in those days, when a shepherd would build a place for his sheep to sleep at night, he would take shrubs and rocks and, and bushes and things, and he would build a, a pen, like in the shape of a horseshoe almost, with an opening. So that the sheep, he could lead the sheep into the pen. They, had a, they have to have a way to go in. And then what the, sheep would, the, the shepherd would do, the shepherd would then lay down over the, across the opening to the sheep pen. Because if someone was going to come in and steal the sheep, they had to go through the shepherd. If a wild animal, if a lion was going to come in and, and, and kill the sheep, or a coyote or a bear, if they were going to come in and, and take a sheep and, and kill a sheep, they had to go through the shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He lays down, and if somebody wants to take you from Jesus, they got to go through the shepherd. It doesn't matter who they are, because you belong to your shepherd. I want to do something a little different, okay? I've never done this before. Well, I did it in the first service, so I'm going to do it again. What I want you to do is I want you to kind of get in a group of three or four or two or three. I want you to talk to each other for just one minute. And you're like, what? We're going to talk in church? Yes, you are. I want you to talk to each other about how, about these six blessings 
We're going to put them back on the screen. They're up on the screen now. I, I want you to turn to your neighbors, and I want you, uh, in groups of like three or four, just talk about your favorite blessing out of Psalm 23. Out of these six blessings on the screen, which one is your favorite and why? And if you have time, if you want to share, how have you experienced this blessing in your life lately? So take a few moments now. I want you to do that, and then we're going to have our, I'm going to pray, and we're going to have our time of invitation. But I want you to just take a few moments and talk to each other for just, just about a minute and share what your favorite blessing is out of Psalm 23. Do that.